0: are on the line. You're on the line
1: with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Special guest here on Friday with us. Welcome into the Friday edition of the show is Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com back in the studio with us for another hour of the show. We started this last week and now trying to make it an every Friday kind of thing. Christian, how is your Friday going, my man?
2: Uh, It's going pretty good. I finally snuck out of the athletic complex. I've been there for about 23 hours over the past three days. So a little tired, a little bit drowning in recruiting stuff, but I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of news coming out of the program as far as recruiting concerned, not just football, but also basketball, and looking forward to getting into some of that with you. Lance, how's your Friday treating you? It's been
3: going really well, Noah. How's yours going?
1: It's going good. Got some good food with you at lunch. Enjoyed my trip to Fusackley's. It's Fusackley's. Been a good time.
3: Fusackley's is a, is an enigma to me because I, four times out of five, I'll get it, and it'll be really, really good. And then that fifth time, it'll just be like what happened today was one of those four out of five times it was really good
2: it was good man. i've still never tried it i need to go Whoa! you can't
3: fight the foo man you got to go get some <laughs> and you're from montana
1: so you have no idea what that is until you come down here because it's isn't it based out of mobile i think so yeah yeah, yeah. So you have no idea. I mean that's like further that's like the furthest
3: south on uh, the planet for I, you. <laughs> I
2: didn't know chicken finger places were just like a thing and like that's all they serve. I didn't know that was a thing until I moved down here.
3: Well, coming from I, I lived in Mobile for 7 or 8 years of my life and that was that was a staple is the fusaklis down in yeah, Mobile. Yeah, you swear
2: by fusaklis if you're from
1: Mobile.
3: You cannot fight the foo. It is not possible.
1: <laughs> okay, well if chicken finger places in Mo- or in Montana aren't a thing, what is a thing in Montana? Now I need to know about the fast food industry of Montana.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't think we really have anything too special, to be honest. I mean, I don't know. Montana's not all that big, so we don't have a whole lot going for us. We just have a lot of snow. That's about all we're working with.
1: Okay. Forgive me here because we don't have wild – like we don't have like crazy animals in Alabama. What is the wildest animal? Like like for me personally, like I haven't seen a bear. I haven't seen like a mountain goat or anything like that. What is like the wildest animal maybe you've seen in Montana?
2: Okay, so I've got – I'll go with two. Uh, I've seen a moose in my backyard. That's dope. And I've seen a little cub black bear in my high school, like in the hallways of my high school. school. Is that a senior prank? No, (laughs) it it snuck in. I can show you a picture. It snuck in. It was quite the day. Wow.
1: So I went to Auburn high school and I think this was an attempt at a senior prank, but our equivalent of the little cub at your high school was a pig. So welcome to (laughs) Alabama, right? (laughs) That's great. That's great. Well. You are definitely familiar with what's going on at the Auburn Athletic Complex. Enough of the wildlife. Let's talk about the frontier that is recruiting right now, and Auburn is busy. What is maybe the hottest tidbit that you've got right now? Auburn football, is. they've gotten to work since Tuesday.
2: They have. They've had, I mean, I'm looking at the list here. We've written 20-plus probably stories of kids that are highly rated and that are important to Auburn and I think Auburn is very interested in. There's been 200-plus kids over the past three days that have come through the complex. Some big names that really stand out to me so far um, that we talked to, Eston Harris Jr., an offensive tackle uh, out of Beauregard. I believe he's transferring to Opelika, though, for his senior year. He seems like someone that Auburn is very high on. Uh, Jarrell Stinson, the cornerback commit out of Opelika, he was there. He seemed to be high on the new staff because he had obviously never met them. Uh, Kamari Wilson, the number 33 player in the class of 2022 is safety. He seems pretty high on Auburn, and then if I had to pick kind of one football player that really stood out and seemed like just blown away by Auburn, it was uh, a Marion Brown, a four-star wide receiver out of Florida, and he's a Rutgers commit actually, but you want to talk about someone that really looked like they enjoyed their time at Auburn and really enjoyed talking to these coaches, it was him. His exact quote was, Auburn blew me out of the water. He looked like he was about ready to commit on the spot right there. He <laughs> was he was very excited after that visit, so
1: Vastly I mean, different places, Piscataway, New Jersey, and Auburn, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be that would be quite the swing there to say, ah, I'm going to pass on Rutgers and, and go to Auburn. I want to talk about Jarrell Stinson then. I'm interested in this one because I believe Gus Malzahn offered him, right?
2: Yes, and he committed to the previous staff. He had never met this staff before.
1: And then I believe Gus Malzahn offered him at UCF as well once he went down south. So what is the kind of the vibe there? Do you think that was just like Malzahn throwing his hat into the ring? Do you think that there's any cause for concern there?
2: Uh, so I think there is cause for concern, but it's not UCF. The two schools that are pushing for Jarrell Stinson the hardest are Florida with Coach Crime, Wesley McGriff. He's down at Florida now. Which and, he'll
1: also be familiar with him.
2: Yeah, exactly. And UCF. Uh, Stinson is in Florida for an official visit this weekend. He's in UCF for an official visit next weekend. And then he's in Auburn again for an official visit the following weekend. This is someone that I think Auburn really needs to hold on to. And I think they do have a solid chance to, but they've got two schools pushing really hard for him.
1: You talk about the quarterback position at Auburn. We've labeled that as a top three need in this recruiting class because you saw Kamal Haddon and Marco Domeo both transfer out of the program How is this coaching staff approaching recruiting the cornerback position, which Stinson obviously a part of, so I definitely understand your your point there why this is somebody they need to hold on to. Are there other names in that area of the defensive backfield that Auburn is going after at the moment?
2: There are, yes. So Stinson we mentioned. There's Benjamin Morrison, a four-star cornerback out of Phoenix. Um, He seems pretty high on Auburn. I would probably put him right behind a Marion Brown. He seemed very high on the program. Caleb Presley, a four-star cornerback. He's actually in the class of 2023. But he's all the way out from Washington, so that's going way out there. And there was another guy from Washington who was the number 13 player in the class of 2023 as well. Uh, This weekend, Emory Floyd just got here, a three-star cornerback out of Georgia who's on an official visit, and he has gone out and said uh, to our Jeffrey Lee that Auburn is the favorite right now. So that's a guy to look out for. So they're definitely bringing guys in. I think they have a couple more cornerbacks coming in next week and the following week
3: yesterday's show we talked a lot about how important it is to start to build your program in the in the trenches because a lot of different things stem from that looking on the defensive and offensive side of the football who is an offensive guard or an offensive tackle that you're looking at in this class right now that auburn has had on campus and who is a defensive lineman that you've looked at that auburn's had on campus that you see a lot of potential in
2: okay so eston harris i mentioned him the offensive tackle right Uh, One guy they're looking at as well is Tay Woody, who can play offensive tackle or defensive tackle, Um, and that was really something big to him, and he enjoyed his visit. Another guy along the offensive line that I would look at would be, there were two 2023 offensive guards. Uh, His name is actually pronounced Najee Harris, exactly like the Alabama running back, (laughs) and then Harris Sewell out of Texas. Those two seemed to really enjoy their time, and then a big guy to really look out for. He is 2023. But it's James Smith out of Montgomery. He's a very highly rated four-star. He'll be a five-star by the time things are all over. So that's another guy to look out for. Coming in this weekend, they have Caleb Artis, a defensive tackle out of New York, who's a highly rated four-star. They have offensive tackle Jacob Hood, who's a highly rated four-star out of Nashville. I think I like their chances there. And then they have a three-star defensive tackle uh, coming in from Louisiana, and those are all official visits this weekend.
1: It seems like Auburn's recruiting from all over the place because you brought up Phoenix, you brought up Nashville, you brought up New York, you brought up a Rutgers commit. I mean, it seems like Auburn's recruiting from all over the place. What is your opinion on that strategy or what have you kind of picked up from this coaching staff on that recruiting strategy?
2: Yeah, I think it's genius. This staff is from all over the place and especially the West Coast. Um, Some of these guys talked with this staff or pieces of this staff while they were at Boise State. So they're familiar with these guys. And kind of the philosophy you can take at it is, you know, these coaches, they don't have the relationships with these high school coaches down here as much, and they're still trying to build that. And these 2022 and even 2023 guys, they don't have the relationships quite as much built down here yet. So rather than try and play pickup and catch up against Alabama, catch up against Georgia, hey, let's go out to Oregon. Let's go win a wide receiver away from Oregon or Oregon State. Let's go out to Washington and beat UW for a recruit. So I think it's a really genius play, and they're using – previous uh previous history and where they've been before to kind of win some recruiting battles and I think it's smart
1: is there a theme across this week that maybe you've seen out of a position group it seemed like the first day or two it was very heavy on the trenches whether it was offense or defense
2: 100 percent. there's been a majority of offensive linemen and defensive linemen there have been obviously some other players mixed in there but It's been in the trenches.
1: Something else that I've noticed that I want to bring up as well, it seems like there's been a flurry of Auburn high school players as well as you bring up Eston Harris at Borgard, and then Stinson at Opelika, There's been a nice little imprint of local products going in through the doors that maybe this coaching staff wasn't paying attention to at all. I think I saw stuff about Brad Harper, Auburn High School linebacker, and then Trey Nelms, maybe, defensive back for Auburn High School, also on campus. That
2: sounds sounds right, yeah. I mean (laughs) – and been of course, so Powell many kids Gordon also. Yes, Powell Gordon, the commit, the linebacker commit. He was there on Wednesday. The days are all kind of blending together <laughs> now, but um, they're definitely recruiting the area heavily. And the message that the recruits told us, uh, that the recruits told us that the coaches told the recruits, if you can follow that, was they want to keep the best players in Alabama and they want to bring them to Auburn. So they're definitely recruiting the area still. But like I mentioned earlier, they are willing to go out to other areas of the country and go grab some guys.
1: I got to know, man. Have you been to an Auburn High School football game yet?
2: I have not. I want to go to one this fall, though.
1: Well, do you know what their schedule looks like?
2: They play IMG. They do play yes.
1: IMG, and that's the last game of the regular the, season. Uh,
2: the safety that I brought up, Kamari Wilson, the number 33 player in the class, he actually joked because Davis Harson, Brian Harson's son, obviously plays on the team. He's like, man, I don't think Coach Harson is going to like me too much after that game. <laughs> <laughs> There's also
1: a recruit at Park Crossing, which I'm currently forgetting. It's a defensive tackle slash defensive end almost a colby wooden type i feel like is the position that he would play on the defensive line it is curtis perry he plays for park crossing you guys got to be at that ball game auburn park crossing the season opener on august 20th so that there might be a you should go and get yourself some southern experience with high school (laughs) football because i'll tell you auburn high school stadium duck sanford juco stadiums wish that they had a stadium as nice as that
2: it's nice I've been I mean I've been around it but I haven't that's been in right. it yet so I'll definitely have to try and catch a game this fall
1: and everything's going to be full capacity again we found that out for Auburn football today as well that's got to be exciting any of the recruits said anything about the Auburn environment I, I'm sure it's got to be different we, we talked about this last Friday as the dead period was getting ready to be lifted this week on Tuesday Auburn sells the Auburn experience what did what, what were some of kind of the, the themes that some of these recruits were saying as they were coming out of the complex like oh my gosh it's great to be on a campus, and then not to mention they're, they're getting to be on Allmeridge campus.
2: Yeah, you want to mention that one thing probably every recruit said, it was the family atmosphere. They really, pretty much every recruit pointed to that. You know, you would ask, what was the highlight of the visit or what really stood out? And they would say, it was the family atmosphere. I love the coaches. I love the graduate assistants. I love the people that were helping us. I like the people in the town. They really like the family atmosphere. And a lot of recruits liked the idea of that big football complex that's getting built. They were pretty excited about that.
3: Late in the recruiting class this season, obviously, Auburn picked up Jarquez Hunter from Mississippi, and then recently they got the Central Michigan transfer, Jordan Ingram. But they have not, from what I understand, they've not had a running back visit for for an official or unofficial visit yet. Are they going to do that sometime in the near future, or do they, Do you think that they're comfortable with their running back room moving forward, even with Sean Shivers potentially gra- graduating this season, and we may see Tank Bigsby leave early for the NFL after his junior season next year?
2: Yeah, so I think they're definitely going to have to go out and find at least one running back in the 2022 class. We, Like you mentioned, we haven't seen anybody come in yet, and there's nobody to my knowledge that is coming in. The only running back that I've talked to was a 2024 guy, so that's way out there, but... There's definitely something, that's definitely something they're going to have to look at, and it may come from the transfer portal. We got to talk with the coaches a little bit, and you know they were talking about how they feel strongly about what they've been able to do through the transfer portal so far.
1: The SEC eliminated that rule on the interconference transfer rule. We'll need to talk about that coming up on the other side of this break. We got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us on the show for the entire first hour. Stay tuned. More great recruiting tidbits. Also, talking about the transfer portal when we come back.
0: You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. If you want to call into the show 334-321-1390 that'll put you through to on the line. We got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. If you got questions for any of us we want to hear from you 334-321-1390. I can't believe I drew a massive blank on basketball in the first segment. We got so locked in on football but I I totally forgot about basketball Auburn basketball this past week it's been great to talk about football recruiting because of course as you mentioned like 200 kids have gone through the complex but basketball is what we need to be talking about they are recruiting better I feel like than we've ever seen Auburn basketball recruit
2: yeah uh, Jeffrey pointed it out to me that three of the top 19 players in the class of 2022 uh, once you include this weekend will have been in Auburn so you look at uh, Brandon Miller, the number 10 player, a small forward. You look at Zion Cruz, a shooting guard from New Jersey, the number 19 player. And then Jarris Walker, the number 9 player. They will all have been in Auburn after this weekend concludes, and that's not including some 2023 20, five stars, some highly rated uh, you know, four and three stars that aren't in the top 19. Bruce has brought in some dudes that can play, and I think Auburn has a chance to probably land one or two of those guys.
1: Which is crazy. Which also, you look at Albert's recruiting class for this year, which is which is only housing one player, but I mean he's a top five overall yeah. recruit. Period. And it's kind of shocking in this day and age with how many different leagues are now appearing across the nation. You, of course, the G League's new program for athletes to be able to tap into and make some money. That one's been around a little bit more than the league in Atlanta. I, I'm drawing a line. Yeah, the overtime league. It's like these new leagues are appearing. Trying to snatch up some of these best players, you seem to believe Auburn's got a, a pretty good shot to get some of these guys in. Maybe though,
2: I still think so. I mean, Bruce has developed quite the talent pipeline in Georgia, um, much to Georgia's chagrin. So, <laughs> I think I think Bruce has a chance to get get some highly rated guys, and then you know mix in some four stars. Which the fact that we're saying mix in some four stars is kind of crazy. Yeah. And then still get, I mean, there's some talented three stars out there, man. You want to talk about guys like Bryce Brown? Alan Flanagan was a three star. Don't hate on some three-stars. There's some good three-stars, and I think there's a couple that Bruce has a chance to get.
1: You've kind of got your ear on the ground here, and, I, and I'm, I'm curious to get your opinion because you're more of an expert on this category than I am because you're the one covering basketball recruiting. Do you think that these new leagues appearing are truly a threat?
2: I think they are, yes. Um, I mean, that's just it's the way college basketball is now, and that's the way recruiting is. Um, Auburn offered the Thompson Twins. Uh, I believe they're out of Georgia. And a week later, they announced that they were going to the overtime league. Scoot Henderson, a guy that Auburn felt really good about for a long time, he's going to the G League. So that's just the way college basketball is now. But that's the way it is for everybody. It's not just Auburn getting affected by these different leagues. So
1: Yeah, I mean, the top 20, top 25 players get knocked off the board. You just get the next top 20, top 25 yep. players, and then you're one of the best teams in college basketball. Lance?
3: I think there, a lot of Auburn fans are really focusing in on this team and all the recruits that Auburn's been able to bring in, thinking that this is really going to be the year. But I don't see a lot of people already looking forward to next year's recruiting class. What is Auburn going to have to go out and get after this season? Because obviously Auburn's going to have some guys leave early for the NFL draft. There's so much talent NBA. that could. Or NBA dra- <laughs> draft, I'm sorry.
2: You know, that's a fantastic question. Um, I believe, in my head, I think Alan Flanagan is gone. I think Jabari Smith is gone. And Walker Kessler is a toss-up. I couldn't tell you whether or not Walker Kessler goes. So those are the guys that you need to replace for sure. Uh, I brought up Brandon Miller, the number 10 player in the class. He's a small forward. Maybe he would slide in where Alan Flanagan goes. Jairus Walker, the number 9 player out of IMG Academy. He's a power forward. That dude is built like Zion Williamson, but he is more cut than Zion. That is a big guy. I'm looking forward to interviewing him. I believe he's leaving on Sunday because he is just massive. So I want to see what he's like in person. Um, Nick Smith, a point guard, I think they're really targeting him out of Arkansas. He's the number 39 player in the class, so I think there's definitely going to be, you know, you brought it up, there's one guy in this class, there's going to be way more than one guy in next year's class for sure.
1: You're going to have to – this could be kind of a rebuilding year in terms of – or at least I – I don't want to say rebuilding year because Auburn – the the cupboard isn't bare this year. You typically label rebuilding years where the cupboard's already bare. This is a preparing year, right, for for when you've lost where you will lose everything at the end of this season. Yeah. How I'm, has Bruce Pearl built this program to this point where you're kind of reloading, but it's – I don't want to say it's turning into one-and-done factory because it's not, but Auburn has had one-and-dones for the past two years now and you expect more players to leave for the draft this next year. If Justin Powell had stuck around, you could have saw three or four guys as potential first-round draft picks next year.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's just the way college basketball is now. I brought it up with uh, the different leagues. There's Now that the one-time transfer rule is in effect, you never know when a player is going to get unhappy and decide that they want to leave yeah. or they want to go home, that. That probably makes like that. things
1: easier for the program to stay afloat, though, when you do lose guys.
2: It does, yeah. It's, it's a give-and-take scenario. Um, it hurts Auburn. It helps Auburn. This year, I think it helped Auburn more than anything else. But, I mean, Bruce has really changed, changed the program entirely. You're looking at all the guys that he's bringing in. You're looking at the recruiting classes. I mean, he's just bringing in five stars like it's nobody's business. And I think, I think he'll get one or two five stars for next year.
1: The SEC, and you bring up the transfer rule, the SEC eliminated its intra-conference transfer rule yesterday. That decision means across the conference, players like Henry Toho, Toho TJ Finley at Auburn on the basketball side of things, Desi Sills, KD Johnson, all these guys, they're playing basketball next year for the Auburn Tigers where they're playing football for the Auburn Tigers. What does this mean for Auburn moving forward this year?
2: Uh, for this year, I mean, I think it was extremely important and I think it was something that Auburn was prepared for so if it didn't go through, that would have been a problem because they brought in the guys like TJ Finley, they brought in the guys like Donovan Kaufman, Desi Sills, Katie Johnson, etc. So if that ruling didn't go through and it wasn't passed, that would have been problematic because they were counting on these guys to be big contributors. But Is everyone good to go? Yes, uh, everyone should be good to go to my knowledge. I know there's been the rumors out there about Desi Sills. I haven't heard anything official. The only thing I can tell you for certain is he's not on campus, but Zepp Jasper and Katie Johnson aren't on campus, so... As far as I know, to my knowledge, everything is good.
1: Everything's still good to go.
2: As far as I know, I couldn't tell you anything. That could
1: change or... on a on on the you know the flip of a coin too. You yep. know, I mean that's just the nature of today's day and age in college basketball. Things happen on a day to day basis. Uh, so yeah, other major transfers across the SEC. There weren't a whole lot of interconference conference transfers on the football side of things. At least ones of note. But of course, Henry to 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 Alabama. That kind of flips the scale a little bit on defense
2: nice pronunciation by the way I never knew how to pronounce his last name so it's good to know that but that is a big addition for Alabama there
1: yeah and and you talk about the defensive side of the football you see how many returning starters that they have they have eight coming back from last year's team that statistically Alabama fans at the midway point were pulling their hair out of their head because of Pete Golding's defense after the Ole Miss game but by the end of the year it was one of the best defenses in the SEC which says something because defensively in the SEC last year you could be top of the conference and be ranked like 38th nationally so like it, last yeah. year was a down league when you look at it statistically for uh for all these teams on the defensive side of the football toe to toe makes a good defense great I feel like Lance you got any thoughts on that
3: Yeah I think he's definitely going to be a really important piece for Alabama another guy worthy worthy of note that's transferring within the SEC is Eric Gilbert from LSU to Georgia mm-hmm. something I wanted to ask that. you is how is he going to be able to implement it it be implemented in this Georgia offense that's going to stretch the field this season
2: Well since George Pickens is out, isn't he going to be playing like a wide receiver tight end hybrid position? Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked I, I wouldn't be cockpit. shocked if they put him in the slot. Yeah, that's what I was seeing a little bit. I mean, that's nuts. And Georgia got uh, Darion Kendrick out of Clemson too. I think Georgia, you can mark me down for it, Georgia is the team to beat in the whole SEC this year. Really? I think they are very, very good. They have that tough game against Clemson. I want to say it's to open the season or it's very early in the season. But outside of that, they're kind of – they kind of have an off year in terms of their scheduling. They don't have to play like Alabama or anything like that. So, I think Georgia's very good, especially with those two new additions.
3: When you look at what Auburn's bringing in, obviously TJ Finley and then and then Donovan Koppen from Vanderbilt. Moving forward, who do you think is going to be more important for the Tigers at the end of their career? Whenever we're looking back and both of these guys are gone, who are we going to say was the better player overall?
2: Ooh, I like that question a lot. Uh I'm going to go Donovan Kaufman because I think starting this year he could be a starter or at least a big-time contributor and I think he'll be that way for all four years we've gotten to see the new uh the newcomers coming in and out of the complex first off TJ Finley is massive you put about 50 pounds on him he's an offensive tackle that is a big guy Donovan Kaufman defensive end with a cannon (laughs) yeah Donovan Kaufman is a little bit smaller than uh we initially thought but he is built um and I think he'll be perfectly fine being a little bit smaller so I would have to lean Donovan Kaufman mostly because I just don't know if TJ Finley sees the field at Auburn. I think Bonix keeps the job for this year. Then you look at guys like, you know, Bonix returning next year or a guy like Demetrius Davis or a guy like Holden G. Um, I, I don't know what the role will be like for T.J. Finley.
3: Because the way that I looked at it, and you and I were talking about this yesterday as far as Auburn slowly shifting to a more pro-style offense, after Nick's graduates, T.J. Finley will, if he's still with the program, he'll get a chance to compete for that starting job, but he's going to have Demetrius Davis that has already been in the system for two years, and he's going to have Holden Jariner who will have been in the system for one year, and you begin to think, okay where does tj finley's time actually begin it, it would be so late in his career and auburn's got other options on the roster that already that will have have been more developed in my opinion i think demetrius davis and holden Jarriner, even though Jarriner would be getting there after finley i th- i just feel like auburn would want to lean that direction what are your thoughts on that
2: no I agree with that completely I'm a big Holden G fan Um, I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I cannot get it right until I meet him when's he
3: on campus
2: he'll be here next Friday it's for an official visit um but you can ask him then my man get, yep. stick out the recorder and say how do we
1: pronounce your name and that, then provide it for everybody that's the plan very
2: <laughs> first question not how was the visit anything like that please pronounce your last name but you know
1: you could create a youtube page for like just like college football or just like collegiate athletes get them all to pronounce their names <laughs> people will go there for that i'm telling you you'd get massive views and then have google ads on it and everything you'll make some bank i just i just came up with a business plan for you
2: That might be the play.
1: But then again, we get into NIL, name, image, likeness. Are are we not using their name to make some money at that point? By the book (laughs) definition right there.
2: That's very true. Uh, (laughs) Wrapping back to the question, though, I do do agree with you. I think it's a very – it's a tough spot for DJ Finley because I think he's good and he fits this system, but – when is he going to be able to get on the field?
3: And we've just seen against SEC competition, even though it's been such a small sample size, and you can't really judge a guy unless he's had a a full season to play in the Southeastern Conference. The sample size that we've seen, he's played well against the bad teams, but he's he's not performed at a at a top five quarterback Auburn quarterback level against legitimate competition, meaning Texas A and M and Alabama.
2: Look, and here's the problem I have too. He was behind a pretty good offensive line at LSU and I can at least say it was better than Auburn's. Um, Going in this year, he's a statue in the pocket, man. He does not move, which that's what they want. They want those pro-style quarterbacks, but they can't really implement that system until they can build up the offensive line a little bit better. So if you put him in there now, he is – He's gonna have a tough time. He's gonna that get offensive eaten alive, alive yeah. just
1: like Auburn ate him alive last year in that ball game. I mean, you think about that. He had the interception. He also had the fumble that came off as an interception yeah. out of his hand. I mean, he struggled last year against Auburn because they couldn't block. That was Auburn's best defensive line performance by far. On the other side of this break, we're gonna rank the teams that you would like to see Auburn play that are currently not scheduled. Stay tuned for that conversation. We got some hot takes coming up.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You are on the line. Five
1: oh two. our number two of on the line Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central Alabama number to call 334-321-1390 we want to hear from you whatever is on your mind we'll talk about it here on this Friday afternoon of the show big thank you there to Christian Clemente of auburnsports.com for joining us in that first hour if you missed any of that Go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Taking a look at our Twitter poll from yesterday. Our Twitter poll yesterday was asking folks if they thought that the Auburn offensive line would improve. That poll closed, and we've got the results for yesterday, what everybody thought, on the line, ball at ESPN1067. That's how you can find us on Twitter. Will the Auburn offensive line improve this season? 60% said yes, 10% said no, and then thirty percent said please with prayer hand emojis. And I'll be honest, I was one of those people.
3: I w- I, I answered yes on a couple different of my uh, burner accounts. One of them definitely is not at the underscore mason jar. Definitely would not encourage Settle you promotion. to go. Definitely would not encourage you to go follow that account for the memes. But no, I, I answered on my. Uh, twitter twitter at th- at Daw pound i answered please because we were talking about it on yesterday's show i'm just optimistic i'm just i just have hope for this team man i just want it to be and i don't know necessarily if auburn is going to improve there are there are signs from different players that like in a new scheme heading into their senior year it's like yeah these guys should improve at least a little bit but i don't know whether or not it's necessarily going to happen because I, I, have, I have fear that Alec Jackson and Nick Brahms are, are just not necessarily the answer. And I, I have hope that they will be able to take the next step, but I, I just don't know. I just don't know.
1: I believe the right side of the line is the best side of the line. It's the strong side for me, especially in terms of running the football. You look at Broderius Hamm at right tackle. That guy was meant to run block. And then at right guard. Brandon Council when he comes back from injury I'm excited about what he could be he's probably the most draft eligible player on this Auburn offensive line could get drafted next year I believe I don't know how highly it would be you're looking at probably a day three right now for Brandon Council but still he's an offensive lineman that could get drafted and that says something when you're talking about this offensive line the left side is where I've got my worries right now for Auburn is Alec Jan- is Alec Jackson an improved pass blocker? Also, I wasn't super high up on Tayshawn Manning last year, and guess what? You look at how Auburn's recruited the offensive line. Do you know what those guys were out of high school? I don't. They were low three-star defensive tackle recruits. That's
3: right. Yeah, J- Jackson was not. Jackson was not an offensive. No, it wasn't him. But Auburn's got. No, Jackson
1: and Manning both were defensive were. tackle okay. recruits that were three stars. Wow, that were moved to the offensive line and you know they're good enough obviously they're the best players at those two positions and I'm not trying to say anything about their high school pedigree or anything like that but if you're comparing the left side of Auburn's offensive line this the side that is deemed typically on most offensive lines where it's more important for these guys to be able to pass block the side that's protecting your quarterback's blind side left tackle is one of the highest paid positions in the NFL you know to protect your quarterback When you look at that side of the line and you compare its recruiting history in the Gus Malzahn tenure to other teams in the league, you compare it to Tennessee, who was turning out five and four stars on the recruiting front. They didn't develop, but they were still recruiting those players. Alabama, of course, we know that history. And then Georgia as well. You look at those three teams – And some of the other top-tier teams in the SEC, once again, excluding Tennessee, though, because those guys never developed, and the program still is a dumpster fire. But you look at Georgia and Alabama, and you compare their offensive line recruiting history on that side of the line, specifically to Auburn's. Auburn has two guys that were formerly defensive tackles out of high school that were three stars. Alabama and Georgia are recruiting players that year in and year out are going to the NFL and are playing as rookies. They're like first round draft picks at both of those spots. That's why Auburn's lagging behind right now, and it finally has caught up to them. Year in and year out, kind of started around 2017, 2018. 2017's recruiting class is probably the last year that Auburn actually had a decent offensive line recruiting class. That class, I believe, was Austin Troxel's class. I think Nick Brahms also was a part of that around that time. And those guys really haven't developed, but that was the last time where you actually saw like decent numbers where Auburn recruited a decent amount of offensive linemen. After that, it started being a problem. And in 2018, Auburn misses on several offensive linemen. It doesn't go great. And you're like, all right, it's just one year. It'll be all right. 2019, it happens again. And you start to raise your eyebrows a little bit. You're like, man, this is is now a need. This is a concern. And then nothing fixed it in 2020 either. Auburn, yet again, They had players decommit out of the class. There was some positive things happening. And then at the end of the season, Malzahn gets fired. You see a couple of guys decommit. Auburn only brings in like two offensive linemen from last year's class. And they lost several in the process as well. So they really didn't recoup all all those losses. And after three years, this is the season where it's finally caught up. It's finally caught up to you.
3: Right. To a degree last year as well. And we've talked about it a little bit on the show about it – players stepping into different situations around the SEC and how that affects the skill position players' ability to actually thrive. And something that Derek Mason has talked about quite a bit this spring is he understands that football games are one of the trenches, and he's got to be able to go out there and get the best guys that he possibly can to play on that defensive line. And Will Friend has to understand that he is a very talented recruiter, but he's got to be able to develop the talent that he gets for Auburn transitioning from the high school level to the college level auburn's got to be able to try and and fight back on the recruiting trail now sitting under harson they've got to be able to get some of those four and five stars back away from alabama and georgia because what they're able to do in the trenches allows them to go out and get four or five star receivers running backs and quarterbacks and it allows them to play to that ability. You see Auburn get a guy like Bo Nix, five-star coming out of high school, really, really talented player, had all the potential in the world, but you put him behind an offensive line that's shaky at best in his sophomore season and you don't give him a defense to, to lean back on that is full of four or five stars and plays to that level, you're not going to develop him. And and a lot of Auburn fans are really upset with the way that Bo Nix's progression has gone over two seasons. But You can blame stuff on Nix, but there are a lot of things and a lot of factors surrounding him that were not under his control. And it's the reason why I believe guys like Bryce Young and JT Daniels are going to have success is it starts with that offensive line. It starts with that offensive line recruiting. you got to be able to go out and keep those guys. And it's something that Malzahn was not able to do example being he was playing two defensive tackles at that uh, on his left side of his line to to end his tenure with the tigers you have to be able to put your five star skill position players in position to succeed when you get them and auburn's not been able to do that and that's the reason why malzahn was shown the door it's the reason why you're talking about georgia and alabama's recruiting they are just so far ahead of the game the entire game right now when it comes to recruiting those guys and Auburn's just got to be able to get back on the recruiting trail and essentially kind of start over. And Auburn has the ability to do it. They're a prestigious program, they're a legitimate SEC contender. I wouldn't say every single year, but they're consistent. Um, as far as
1: blue chip it, ratio far, is concerned, yes. Auburn has the talent on their roster each and every season to at least challenge with the
3: right coaching and if things can align in the right season so i'm not saying it's hopeless i'm not saying oh alabama and georgia are recruiting out recruiting everybody it's going to be like that forever as long as smart and saban are there no auburn's got the ability to do it we've seen it in the past they just got to be able to keep them and develop them and now that auburn's got a new coaching staff now it's kind of a fresh start i think they're going to be able to do that And it starts, and they know it's important because you see who they're bringing on campus. It starts now, and they're doing that, and I think it's a really good thing. Auburn's coaching staff is is doing all the correct things right now. It's just the question of whether or not Auburn fans will be patient enough to see the payoff in a season or two after this season. Because I agree with you, I think 2022 is a rebuilding season, but you've got to be able to give it time past that in order to see the fruits of this coaching staff's labor.
1: I just put up a new Twitter poll. For today and this one's going to be fun I'm expecting some I'm expecting some pushback on this question I think that this is an excellent question that you asked yesterday And I'm hoping we get a lot of engagement on this. I'm looking forward to this. Find us on Twitter at ESPN1067. Today's on the line poll, and we want to hear from you as well. Not only do we want you to respond to it, go and vote in that poll on Twitter, go and comment at us. We want to hear from you. We also want you to call in, 334-321-1390. What are your thoughts on this? Which game is Auburn more likely to win this season, at LSU or versus Alabama? And you brought up the history since 2000 at both of these locations we're talking road games in Baton Rouge, Auburn is 0 10 since 2000, since 2000 in home games against Alabama, Auburn's 6 and 4.
3: That's right, and overall Auburn has a losing record 8 and 13 against against Louisiana State, and they have an 11 and 10 record against Alabama, albeit that 2002 to 2007 stretch was really helpful. Whenever you win 6 in a row in the series, it's probably going to be beneficial for your overall record since 2000. But it's an interesting question to pose, and something I do want to note about Gus Malzahn to, to, to give him a compliment towards his, his coaching ability. He beat Alabama, what was it, three or four times in his tenure at, at, at Auburn? And three times. Three times, and there is not, All of them at home, be- and the last two home games, Auburn has won against I be- Alabama. I believe there's not another coach in the SEC that is active that has more than one win against Saban. In his tenure? I actually, now that I don't think about it, I don't think there's anybody in the SEC that's an active head coach that, that has beaten Nick Saban in Alabama, right? As a head coach. Not that I could think. Well, Hugh Freeze is, is still coaching. Hugh Freeze, but I'm saying active in the SEC. Oh, in the SEC? I don't think there is because Dan Mullen hasn't Ed done Ed Orgeron. It. Orgeron has done it. You're right. Okay, so Orgeron's the only guy active that has been able to do that. And Malzahn did it three times, albeit at home, but still, those are, those are wins against Alabama. I think... Auburn is putting itself in the position to to not necessarily be dominant but to push back on Alabama down the road. Talk about that recruiting. I think this coaching staff's doing everything correct. I think moving moving down the line, 3 or 4 years from now, Auburn is going to be a legitimate force to be reckoned with and people just have to give this coaching staff time going back to whether or not Alabama or LSU is a like which game would you rather see which which game is more likely for auburn to win i think right now even though i'm saying down the line it's going to be way more competitive from auburn's perspective i think right now you have to say i would i think auburn would be be more likely to beat alabama because history tells us you think so history tells us recently auburn's had success against alabama at home and history tells us since 1999 Auburn has not had success in Baton Rouge, even when they had really good teams. 2013, runner-up for the national championship, lost 35 to 21 against a uh, Zach Mettenberger, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry team. 2017, Auburn, I believe, was up 20 to nothing in that game. And they and LSU came back and lost. Auburn made it to the SEC championship game that year, got to a peach bowl. You've got to be able to see some success on the road in Baton Rouge this season in order for this fan base to have hope moving forward. But right now, according to history, the Alabama game is more, Auburn's more likely to win that one at home.
1: On the line poll, which game is Auburn more likely to win this season? We brought up the record since 2000 at LSU. Auburn is 0-10 and at home against Alabama. Auburn is 6-4 and since that stretch sorry man the vote is skewing against you and I said LSU I think it's more likely that Auburn beats LSU this year despite the fact that recent history suggests otherwise if I'm putting the this season in a vacuum outside of the recent trends outside of the recent history and I'm looking at these two teams this year which is Auburn more likely to win in 2021 alone I went LSU, LSU looks significantly weaker than Alabama, but it is important to note the recent history and the recent trends. Auburn has won the last two home games against Alabama, and they have not won in Baton Rouge in over 20 years. It makes it it makes it an interesting question, but right now 75% LSU, 25% Alabama.
3: I think whenever you put it in a vacuum, I agree with you. I think it is way more logical to say that Auburn <laughs> beats LSU, albeit on the road but, it's but over there's Alabama. been anything
1: than logical though when you look at a 20-year stretch where Auburn can't win in Baton Rouge you look at some of the ways Auburn has lost in Baton Rouge and then you look at the way that Auburn has beaten Alabama at home it's been anything
3: but logical so if you put it in a vacuum and I think Vegas honestly depending on where Auburn and LSU are at, if they're both undefeated heading into that game I think Auburn would be favored I, I genuinely do I think Auburn would be favored in that game but I, in a vacuum, I would agree with you, and logically, heading into this season, not not thinking about history and the past and tendencies, i would I would agree with you. I'd say LSU's the weaker team of the two. But even when Auburn was good, again, even when Auburn was good, they d- were not able to find a way to win in Baton Rouge. And I know lSU is down, and that that it's different from those other two teams that auburn Auburn faced. But history just shows some weird things happened in Baton Rouge, and Auburn's not been able to come away with a win in a very long time. In a vacuum, I would agree with you, but outside of that, you know, Auburn's had some magic go their way at home against Alabama, and it's it's an interesting question to ask because there there are two because different because of ways recent to, history. Yes, there are two different ways to look at it, logically or historically, like ten, just tendencies. So it's and the a,
1: tendencies a, defy logic in some ways. And and
3: I I see the rationale in saying. Auburn would beat LSU and lose to Alabama this season. That makes a lot of sense. Like, I, I agree with that. But it's just really hard to, to commit to that fully whenever you've seen time and time again Auburn not come away. I've not seen it in my lifetime, okay? So I've not been able to physically actually you see You don't it. know what
1: it's like. I don't know. I don't, I've <laughs> never don't know tasted like. it.
3: So I just go with what I know.
1: You're going to know what it's like this year. And I'm going to stay consistent with my offseason discourse that I've had about Auburn football for this upcoming year. I said that it was more likely that Auburn beats LSU than they beat Penn State. I like Auburn's chances in that game more. And if I like Auburn's chances to beat LSU more than I like them to beat Penn State, well, then I I, I definitely like Auburn's chances to beat LSU more than I do for them to beat Alabama. But one thing is, is for sure, this is the type of schedule where things get weird in an Auburn football season. This is the type of schedule when you get Alabama and Georgia at home, you get LSU and Texas A&M on the road. These are the years where things get things get weird
3: and you play that weird team in the sec east that you don't really see often like auburn playing kentucky in 2010 and that in that stretch and then auburn playing south carolina on the road this year before the iron Bowl. i mean it's just a it's a it's an interesting schedule it's an interesting schedule and that south carolina game i think auburn's definitely going to win that one but it's really weird to see auburn go on the road against an sec opponent that they've not played often i know they played last season but you you never schedule them back to back it's going to be an interesting schedule for auburn football this season
1: on the line paul which game is auburn more likely to win this season keeping in mind the record since 2000 auburn is 0-10 against lsu on the road since 2000 6-4 against alabama at home since 2000 82% lsu 18% towards alabama find that on espn 1067 on twitter more of on the line coming up
0: are On the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. We'll be right back.
1: Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Daw with you on the SBN 1067 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Wrapping up the Friday edition of the show. Let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Happy Friday, a lot of sports and movies as we've made it to the weekend. Fast and Furious is on AMC at 7. Matt Damon stars in The Martian at 6 on FX. In live sports, there's one NBA playoff series on tonight. The Dallas Mavericks are one game away from upsetting the Los Angeles Clippers in the first round as the series goes to Game 6 with the Mavs up 3-2. Catch the game at 8 on ESPN. The NCAA baseball tournament begins today with a few games televised in the evening at 6 on SEC Network number four national seed Vanderbilt will host Presbyterian at six on ESPNU a 2-3 matchup between North Carolina and UCLA out on the west coast in the Eugene Regional at nine on ESPNU LSU will take on Gonzaga two NHL playoff series starting at 6 30 on USA with game two between the Montreal Canadiens and the Winnipeg Jets at nine on NBCSN game three between the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight Taking a look at some of the NCAA tournament action that got started today. This is one of my favorite days of the year as well, in addition to March Madness. Bringing Jacob Hillman onto the show now for our last segment. Working the controls today is our in-house baseball guy. You eat this stuff up. Yet you don't believe that this should be televised across all of the ESPN okay networks.
4: look. I'm comparing it to the women's college world series, and the ratings are probably pretty comparable for for regionals and sub regionals. The women's college world series probably beats it out. I
1: would. I wish that college baseball A was televised more across. Well, the Well, during the
4: regular season, you have my attention.
1: And then B, as oh, Arkansas almost just hit a grand slam. Well, they did started it. off I almost
4: did. They started off cold. They gave up a lead off home run and trailed three nothing, but leading five to three now. Well, we know how this game's going to go. Yeah,
1: let's take a look at the scoreboard here. Shocker in the Knoxville regional, if you want to say that. It's a three-two, but Duke became everybody's darling. Liberty beat Duke handily, eleven to six. East Carolina, number thirteen overall national seed, took care of business against Norfolk State, eight to five. South Carolina squeezed out a win against Virginia in their own regional, despite the fact that they're a two seed, one four to three there.
4: Yeah, the thing about South Carolina is that they are the host. But they're not the one seed in that regional. Old Dominion is. And I really think South Carolina has a good chance to come out of the regional. because Old Dominion is a good team. But being at home, having the home field advantage. Deepest pitching in the regional as well. Exactly. I think that they have a great chance to do it. And Arkansas hits a three-run home run. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. As I said, we know how that game's going to go. Even though they trailed three-nothing, they now lead eight to three. Isn't
1: that a beautiful sight, though, to see fans going crazy?
4: Bob Walker is – I wish I had gone this year for the Auburn series, but – uh, I held out and stayed, stayed back home. But it's a great environment. I know that for sure. It's kind of like Startville, Duty Noble.
1: Will you be making your way out to Starkville? I knew you were planning on doing it. You know,
4: that. N- next week, if they play Notre Dame, I kind of want to do that. Because I did it two years ago when, when Auburn... You know you
1: want to go out there from Michigan, south uh, from Michigan, Mississippi State? I think that's pretty fun. That, that I is think about 2019 it. Omaha. That's true.
4: That is true. You know, if it's Notre Dame or Michigan, I would consider it a lot. Because when I went two years ago when auburn made the run auburn was playing in the morning and one of my friends said hey you want to go to Starkville and i was like why not and went and it is a great time they the fans there are awesome they're cooking food in the outfield and better environment football or baseball are you talking about start in Starkville <laughs> baseball and that's not even <laughs> that's a joke of a question how
1: heavy is the cow, cowbell presence at a baseball game not not, not much the same
4: okay. it's not not in sick non-existent but it's not something that I would say fans when they go to football games, they're like, "Oh, I get a headache." They don't do that at baseball. Sure.
3: Speaking of, look how many fans! I
4: don't know if they'll pan out, but they did just a minute ago. It's so awesome to it's see back, SEC yeah. crowds in the back, outfield. Man. Yeah, it's L- awesome. Look for the Ole Miss game tonight, and I think Mississippi Mississippi State's playing Stanford right now. But Ole Miss plays later tonight. It'll be the same way. Awesome. Some other
1: scores that happened today: Number eight overall national seed Texas Tech took down Army six to three. Georgia Tech beat Indiana State seven to six. Notre Dame took care of business in their regional ten to zero against Central Michigan. Number two overall national seed Texas beat Southern University eleven to zero, and then Alabama. They got destroyed by NC State 8-1. to That's your team. NC State's the team that I've got coming out of the Ruston Regional, one of the hottest teams in all of baseball right now. Went 14-4 and down the stretch, made it to the ACC title, and they got taken down by everybody's darling Duke. But this NC State team has a little bit more substance when you look at some of the teams they beat down the stretch. A lot of ranked teams in that ACC. NC State took care of business, and they can hit the ball.
4: Yeah, and we, we had this conversation off the air about, you know, what's the second-best conference in baseball. I say Big 12, you say the ACC. I think it's close. and Historically, maybe more so the ACC, but this year probably you're right. the Big 12. I'll you're, give that to you. You're right. And I think it's one of those things that you go into the tournament and you use that as a factor, and you find out real quickly if you're right or not. And I think that we'll see starting tomorrow – who the power conferences are. I mean, like I said, Mississippi State and Arkansas gave up leadoff home runs to start off their games. And it was like, whoa, both teams are in control now. But it's just one of those things that you never know what can happen in a regional. You know, Auburn, when they beat Georgia State, Georgia State was the number three overall seed in the country. And they took care of business easily. They didn't even have to go to a game three against Georgia State. They beat them twice in a row. So you never know what can happen.
1: You'd bring up Mississippi State. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say in control, only a two-run game at this point. It's 5-3 to three for, in
4: the top of the sixth. For me, I think Sanford, they, they hit a lot of home runs, and I don't think that Mississippi State, I think the pitching, once it settles in, which it probably has by now, mm-hmm. they're going to be able to pitch to them well and not give up home runs like they were hitting earlier. And I also think that Sanford's going to have to throw a lot of different guys to try and throw Mississippi State off. It's not showing. They've got five runs already. They might put up 10 to 12. That's
1: right. You go to Gainesville, there's a shocker right now. South Florida was 28-27 going into the postseason, and it's, they're up 5-3 to three on Florida right now going much, to the final inning. How much of a shocker is it really, though?
4: Florida's been, is. Florida's been so up and down this year but, that they're on their down right now.
1: If it, but they weren't on their down. I felt like going into the end of the year, I felt like they were on their high, and now they're on their down. All of a sudden, at the start of the NCAA tournament, they've been good in Gainesville down the stretch. Took two out of three against Vanderbilt. That's why it's a shocker for me. Right? They're at That's home. True. If they were a two seed anywhere else, I'm like, all right, whatever. They play terribly in the in the regional. They got sent home. I wouldn't have been shocked by that. But it's because they're at home that I'm shocked by this at the moment. Yeah. Also, the South Florida's twenty eight twenty seven. That that doesn't seem quite right.
4: It's a shocker for them to be the one seed and losing to South Florida like they are but i you know if they didn't advance out of this regional i wouldn't be shocked as they make it five to three in the top of the ninth
1: Yep, yeah. florida's uh florida's in the field at the moment so they'll be headed uh they'll be headed to the bottom of the ninth hopefully trying to keep it within that two-run frame i got florida coming out of there i want to see texas florida there's miami texas would be fun in the super regional i think but I would expect Texas to cruise there, yeah. at least as far as recruiting is concerned and talent on those two rosters. Texas-Florida is a lot more engaging for me. There's not a whole lot coming out of that Gainesville Regional other than Florida that would catch my attention to play Texas in that next round. Because I, Texas, I'll say this, there are two teams I'm very confident in in my bracket. I'm confident in Mississippi State because of the weakness of the overall Starkville Regional. There's no other Power 5 teams there. And then I'm confident in the Austin regional that Texas will come out. Texas is so good. Arizona State, a very average to below average Pac-12 team. Fairfield played nobody. And then Southern. Look out for Fairfield. They got the bandwagon behind them. Look out. The Stags at 37-3. We'll see if they can represent. That would be a fun story if they could do something like that, like a Coastal Carolina. Man, it'd be so fun. That would be fun. Count me a part of it. That would be a hoot. That's it for another week of On the Line. We'll be back with you on Monday, same time, same place. You know where to find us, everybody. Oh.